Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this special surprise edition, special edition of What's on Joe Mind. I'm Mike Arizari. As you can see next to me, it's a, an empty house tonight, but I do have Mr. Ryan Costello from Renegade Game, uh, Renegade Game Studio. I'm sorry, I was yeah, on. single game, multiple studios. Right, right, single game, multiple. I was going to call you the. I was going to call you Renegade Con, and that wouldn't have worked well. At all. <laughs> That's what just ended, and Ryan's going to talk to us about it uh, in just a moment. But first, you have to listen to our kick-ass theme song. We'll be right back. Sunday night, it's 9 p.m. Uh, and welcome to What's on Joe Mind. We are a fan cast about the world of what's on. Uh, world, we're a fan cast about the world of what's on Joe Mind. Uh, <laughs> I tuned into What's on Joe Mind to know about what's on Joe Mind. Mind. Right? Can you tell I've just been at work all weekend? Uh, yes. but we're a fan cast about the world of GI Joe. Uh, I'm your host uh, and and general mess, Mike Irizarry. Uh Again, no co-hosts tonight. It is just just uh, me and. Mr. Costello, the king of the postdoc. <laughs> Thank you. Hello. Canada's favorite son here to talk about all the wonderful, fun products that were revealed to us this weekend uh, at Renegade Con Virtual, their their winter effect, uh, winter uh, event. Uh, of course, as I explained earlier, I've been at work all weekend. So there was no no real good opportunity to get this together in any sort of cohesive manner. Uh, to have it on Friday's show. Uh, and so we we just figured, well, you know, we need to take our time and and make sure we got this right because there's a lot of folks that are interested in it. And it just turned out that the opportunity to get it clear and right just popped up for us on Sunday night. And so here's Ryan. Hello, I'm here. And yeah, you know, it would have been old news by next Friday. Right? It just it would the it, the 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 bloom would have been off the rose. The scent would have been off the orange. Yeah, I don't know. It would have been I don't Some know new licensee releasing more Hasbro action figures that are not Hasbro, right? And they would have got all the attention. But if you are watching us on Facebook tonight, go ahead, leave us some kind of reaction, give us a thumbs up, give us a heart, uh, give us a little huggy guy. We love little huggy guy. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, again, thank you too. Uh, please like the video, subscribe to our channel. Uh, uh, if you got any comments? please uh, put them down below. It's, it's all about interacting. That's what gets us into other people's feeds. That's what gets us, uh, this gets us this train rolling. We appreciate your helping us out with, with just the ease of a couple of clicks. It's just that simple. I've already done it twice. I mean, right. Yeah. I, I made up 17 accounts just to, no, no, I didn't do that. No, I, I don't. It's gauche. Yeah, it is. It's tacky. That's that. There, there are lots of channels out there that, that, that pay services to create dummy or to get their dummy bots to, to subscribe. We, we have never subscribed to that. We, every, every click that every little click that says subscribed, we've earned it or it was 
you know, like Rob's account because that kind of, you know. He's a different person from what I understand. He is. He is. He's at, he's in, he's down the other room. He's, he's, he's there. Um, so he counts. Yeah. We're, we're driving towards a thousand subscribers. We actually had a moment where that happened today. I actually got an email, um, say fr from YouTube saying, congratulations on a thousand subscribers. And I went and I saw it. I took a little screenshot of it. It said a thousand subscribers. And then about half an hour later, we had 992 subscribers. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I'm thinking somebody just was having, uh, there was a collection of hate watchers out there just having some fun with us. What a, <laughs> I our, know that for my podcast, when we were got uh, 500 patrons for our Patreon, I made a post about it saying like, hey, we fit this new milestone. And within minutes of that post going up, someone must have been like, oh, yeah, I meant to cancel that that subscription. And we were down to 499 and just sitting there with that awkward post up until maybe a few hours later, we got somebody that gave us a sympathy subscription. Right. Yeah. So it's a good deal. It's a good thing. You didn't make a big deal about your 1000 because losing eight, what, what happened there? Yeah, no, that again, that's just somebody messing with us. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's the modern internet. So of course we have people that are watching. us just to not like us. That's, that's the rule. I think 20% of the people that are tuned in hate you. And you're sure it wasn't like half of your dummy accounts and you were just having a weird day? No, no. I, okay. I mean, I don't, I, I'm off all those prescriptions. So, you know, there's there's none of those side effects anymore. Because <laughs> if you're off the prescriptions, there might be other side effects. Well, you know, it's it's like those side effects that you get in all the TV commercials. <laughs> yep. May include death. It may include blackouts, uh, psychotic behavior, oily stool, things like that. You know, we don't. Yeah. I just couldn't deal Bloody with Bloody fingerprints, lots I, of hair. I got tired of hair. I got tired of waking up from blackouts in piles of oily stool. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> there we go. Here, here's the answer to that. Paul Sidaway starting a podcast called What's On What's On Joe Mine. There you go, Paul. Um uh, I will I will send you an email with my guest rates. <laughs> But uh, no, thank you for that. And again, we're at, at 992 seems to be the number that we've settled on. That's actually a pretty big jump from yesterday for us. Like five subscribers in a day is, is a big deal, especially when, when we have an episode like we did on Friday where, it, it, you know, it wasn't a big news episode. So there weren't a lot of new eyeballs coming to us. Like most of the time, uh, the folks who watch the show, 70% are, are subscribers and then 30% are new people. Friday's episode was 89% subscribers. Hmm. So there were new no new eyeballs to get in there. So I was pretty I was pretty pleased that we got five in a day. And then all of a sudden we were at a thousand and and YouTube is sending me emails. Now, are you sure it wasn't like the Hasbro Pulse Sky Striker situation where these people are liking, they're subscribing, but something's just not going through the algorithm? Like you're not getting the proper numbers. No, no, because it's like it's there is sometimes some some fluctuation but enough time has passed now that that's not the case anymore okay you know so sometimes it'll jump the gun and but uh yeah again i i got the i got the congratulatory email so it must have clicked <laughs> for long enough and then you youtube know, took it back yeah i i was at work i had no idea what the hell are 20 people subscribing for that doesn't happen to us not in a day not in a day where we don't bust open hmm. Um, you know, big, big news things where we reveal half a year's worth of product. 
yeah, we've we've learned like one or two products since like that wasn't on that list that you busted out. Yeah, yeah. We're our 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 list is old news. We're just we are simply glory hogging on it. But it's still relevant news, is what I was trying to say. It's that yeah, sure. yeah. Even several Hasbro uh, mm-hmm. uh, fan first Fridays later, we're still just getting confirmation of that old list. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, we essentially it just just ended a week ago Thursday. We're finally off the book. Hmm. Like every everything everything from here on out, we we don't know it's coming either yet. We're working on it. I have my channel. <laughs> I have my channels, which everybody doubted, but but now, anyway, I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyhow. So yeah, we got Ryan here to talk about Renegade Con Virtual. We have no other news. There's no other. We, we've blathered on. Uh, we've chewed your ear long enough. Uh, let's get right to it. All right, Renegade Con was this past Friday and Saturday, March fourth and fifth. I love doing events on March fourth. Why's that? Because it's March fourth. It feels like you know you're charging. It's, it's a day that's also a command. Gotcha. Okay, I, I, I was totally missing that. Oh, okay. Now that you well, said that, it makes sense, and I get it. But I was. But on top of that, in the gaming world, it is uh, International Game Masters Day, and so there was a lot of things that we could tie into it. Uh, and you know, game masters play a big part in role-playing games. Absolutely. Can't can't play them without them. And so, Renegade Renegade is a game studio that has a lot of like board game products. They they put out a lot of products every year, but the last couple of Renegade cons have really been pushing the the Hasbro licenses. Like these are a big deal for this company. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about because a lot of stuff was announced. Uh, you got Mission Critical up on the uh, up on the screen right now. So I that do. was announced. Yeah, this is going back to to uh, Has or Hasbro Pulse's event, but I figured we'll we'll touch base on it since it's technically under the the Renegade. Well, not technically, it's totally under the Renegade official. Yeah, but uh, we'll give give give. And I know I don't think you worked on this specifically. Yeah, I had nothing to do with this. The first I heard about it was at Fan First Friday when uh, they were like, and now we're going to go to Scott Gata from Renegade Games. And I'm like, I know Scott. I know Renegade Games. Are they talking about my stuff? They were not talking about my stuff. They were talking about Mission Critical. So Mission Critical is a um, it is a tactical miniatures board game. So it's not full on, like, if you're thinking of Warhammer 40,000 or anything like that, it's not on that scope. You don't need to paint hundreds of miniatures and bring them for these competitive player versus player games. This is a cooperative game where uh, miniatures are involved. Uh, they come unpainted. You can paint them if you want. You're encouraged to. And uh, it is based on the same system as uh, Heroes of the Grid, which is the Power Rangers version of this game and has been uh, extremely popular and was, I believe, the first game that came out under this Hasbro license from Renegade. I have not played Heroes of the Grid, unfortunately. I will be picking up Mission Critical. I don't know too much about the gameplay, unfortunately, so I can't go into too many details about how it works. I can say that the miniatures are much bigger than the ones that we'll be using for the role-playing game. So uh, they're not compatible, but if you are a little intimidated by the small size of a 28-millimeter heroic scale miniature, which is what role-playing games use, this 48-millimeter scale miniature is uh, its bigger, it's bulkier, it's about half the size of a classic three-and-three-quarter-inch figure. I mean, it, it. you can't say it's not compatible, because maybe in your D.I. Joe role-playing world, maybe Scarlet's 11 feet tall. There's definitely, like, we've got a scale system in the role-playing game, and so if you need a large Scarlet, then you've got a miniature for large Scarlet. Right, exactly. 
Exactly. So but, this, I, I believe, is going to be a, a fairly popular game just based on the like rabid fan base that's around Heroes of the Grid. It's basically, there's the Heroes of the Grid fans, and then there's the all other Power Rangers fans that hang out in the Renegade Discord. So like that game has really struck a chord in that fan base, and I'm looking forward to seeing the same thing happen in G.I. Joe. Yeah, I'm fired up for this one. I, I wasn't expecting this one either. But, um, you know, so sometimes you don't have the time to do full-blown RPG session. Right. Nice to have just a board game option, something you can play in an hour, hour and a half to, yeah. to that, that still, you know, keep keeps it real with, with the brands that you love. And it's interesting, of the three games that have got the G.I. Joe logo on them from Renegade, you've got the Deck Builder, you've got Mission Critical, and you've got the RPG. They're all cooperative games. None of them are competitive. So it really just feels like if you're feeling super casual, go with the deck builder. I believe Mission Critical is going to be a little more involved, but it's still more like tactically involved. And then the role-playing game is like fully explore the world. This is the biggest sandbox, but probably the most complicated of the rule sets. And I like that uh, the, the, the umbrella of characters is opening a little bit more. Like you see Cover Girl in full color on that box. Hiding in the background with the Cobras, there's Copperhead. Uh, it's Is there? Oh yeah, look at that down in the corner. That's cool. Down there in bottom bottom left, and um, so I, I I like that uh, maybe we're getting out of the the normal, you know, the same four or five A list guys all the time. Yeah, well, when we get to the the deck building expansions, we're really going to go into that because a lot of uh, secondary characters are featured in those two new expansions. Yes. All right. So next. Uh, we got a question from uh, Josea Alcorn asking, when are they expected to ship? So these aren't even up for pre-order yet. The pre-order is available. You've got it there in April. So there is a product page on the website with nothing you can do with it. There's no button to press to say, like, when this goes on pre-order, pre-order uh, it for there, me. There's an email list that you can sign up. Oh, for, that's right. For when it goes. Uh, but, yeah, I don't, I don't think the summer is a likely target date for no. this. The way the way he was talking about in that in that little film clip, um, more the end of the year. Well, so if people were paying attention to the release date of the RPG, it was bopping back and forth because it was supposed to be February, and then it got pushed to like summer, and then it got pulled back to March. So that is the current expected date. Like basically, Renegades got a solution for printing, but this is going to take plastic mold making. So this is probably still going to need to rely on the global shipping and global manufacturing and we don't know how that's going to impact shipping dates so uh yeah th this is probably something that is maybe a 2023 release okay but uh, yeah to answer the photo viper is this an rpg like DD or skirmish like bolt action uh no this this is a like a board game it's a tabletop game yeah so we're going to be talking about an rpg but this yep. specific one i don't know bolt action but it's definitely not like DD. it's more like uh, D and D had a, a series of games called the Adventure System, I believe, and like you can get like the the Dritz from the uh, the Dark Elf series and some of his friends going on a mini adventure. It was like a, a concentrated version of a role playing game where it was mostly just to focus on combat and telling a short story. Yep, and GMless. This would also be a GMless game. Yeah, yeah. No, this is this is a uh, one where we all play together. <laughs> oh goodness i'm gonna be downright punchy by the end of this one <laughs> but, um next up uh we're sticking with the the 
the non RPGs, I guess. So we'll, we'll, we'll get a lot of the deck building game stuff first, and then we'll get into the, the, the RPG after that. Uh, but the first new item uh, that was uh, revealed for the deck building game is the Shadow of the Serpent expansion. Uh, it is billed as having new Joes, new Cobras, new weapons, new deck cards. Uh, pre-orders are open right now if you go to renegadegamestudios.com. Uh, yeah. It's $30 for this expansion. Uh, lots of fun characters on the box here. You can see Beachhead. Uh, obviously, Serpentor is taking front front uh, or center stage in the back. Uh, Bomb Strike is there. Budo is there. General yeah. Fox on the box. We got, we got lots of, uh, I mean, B-list and much further down from the B-list type guys taking, taking the spotlight here. Yeah, we got Helix. Uh, the only prominent Cobra Trooper are the Red Ninjas. And in the presentation, they're also the only ones that got mentioned. So I, I, again, I have not played this game. I'm looking forward to this one. It is unfortunately not something I've been able to go out and get my hands on. But I, I feel like this is actually going to be a winner in my family because me and my wife played a lot of the trading card game that came out 14 years ago, I think, from Wizards of the Coast. And uh, she actually won a tournament at one of the earliest Canadian G.I. Joe conventions and earned the nickname Tank Girl because of her tank-heavy deck. Nice. So, yeah, playing G.I. Joe card games is something that we have a long history of, and I uh, I think we're really going to enjoy these. This, once again, has a, an excellent reputation. Um, Renegades put out several deck builder games, so they've put out one for Power Rangers, they've announced one for My Little Pony, and they've released one for Transformers. Um, unlike Mission Critical, which is compatible with Heroes of the Grid, this one is not compatible with any of the other deck building games. Every deck building game has been standalone. It's still the same deck building like the concept is it's still a deck building game, but each one really is specifically focused on the brand that it's using. Excellent. You know what I, I like best about these deck, the deck building games from Renegade? What's that? They're all self-contained. Like I'm not, I'm not having to go buy packs. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, because that's like, perfect. this is an expansion. I'm like, they're, they're yeah. not super self-contained. You still need the base. Yeah, no, obviously you need the basic game, but, but like, I don't have to go to Walmart and, and, wait for them to bust open a new pack of cards where I'm going to get eight cards and six of them will be doubles. Yeah. You just, you just want beachhead and you have to buy pack after pack to get beachhead. Right. I don't have to mess with any of that. Just give me the full banana in one box. I can keep track of cards. I'm a grown man. And it's really like, it's, it's really it. what kept me away from card games in the past is that, you know they're almost they're trying to make money off of off of their own you know uh what's the word i'm looking for obsolescence right like it's just okay. double after double after double they're counting on you buying those and that's where that's the it's like the entire profit margin of the whole product we don't get that here i love yeah. it well so to go back to the trading card game like i was saying it came out 14 years ago i played a lot of it i completed the set only a couple of years ago, yeah. uh, I, I got the foil major blood that I'd been missing for all this time. So now I've got a complete set of that. And I have a lot of extras of the foils that I just did not need extras of. And, you know, like some of them are just not as good as other foil cards. So it's like, wow, I've got three of this super rare card that nobody wants. Yeah. Not that anybody is collecting the trading card game, but there's definitely like there's rarity, there's usefulness, and sometimes they don't line up and you end up with garbage, potentially expensive cards. Right, they are uh, so. A lot of times, it's it's an intersection of those two lines determines collectability, right? And sometimes those lines run parallel. 
Yeah. <laughs> no intersection anywhere in any direction for infinity. And I think that's what we got, unfortunately, with that first trade. I, I, I liked it. I only got to play it once. Um, oh, I played a lot of it. Yeah, well, clearly. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked the first set. The second set where they introduced vehicles uh, made it too janky and swingy. Because the whole thing was that in the first turn, you set up your two lines, your front line and your back line. And it's completely random. You had no control over what happens. And Oh, no, so you had some minor control. The first one always had to be front line. And then the second one could be front line or back line. And as long as there was front line with a gap behind it, you could put back line, but otherwise it was forced to go front line. And vehicles had two rules. One was if somebody was operating it or not. And operating meant vehicle was in the front line, driver was in the back line. And sometimes just the luck of the draw, you would get your his tank in the back line or the his tank would be so expensive, it would be the last card you draw. And then you couldn't afford to get a driver in there. And then you knew right from the beginning that it's like, I've got a useless but in-game currency expensive card that is going to sink me. There's no way I'm going to win. So let's just go through the motions, which is unfortunate. It was never a wonderful game, but the the vehicles really did not add. They, they took away more than they added. It clunked it up, huh? Yeah. So do you have any any insight as to how that would work, how that works in this new game for the folks who are watching at home? I actually I don't. I know they've even done a live play of the deck building game, but I watch so much of Renegade Con while I also have my right. Renegade uh responsibilities that unfortunately I wasn't able to watch it. Um I know a big selling point is the Robert Atkins art because this is loaded with the Atkins brother art, yes. which is mostly penciled by Robert, and then sometimes his brother just finishing on it. Um, and yeah, and you can see from the cover, like Robert loves drawing G.I. Joe characters. He loves drawing the more obscure characters. So you really like, like that's a love letter to Budo. That is 100% his original design and it shows up perfectly recreated here. Couple, couple of great comments here. Here's Firefly. The vehicles in this game are so much fun. You can feel the foot peg. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You can feel the foot pegs. It's a uh... <laughs> all we're missing is a no step sticker, and it's all. <laughs> so we'll move on to the next product here, and it's similarly with the deck building game. It is the deck building game bonus pack number one, and this is going to feature Don Moreno leader cards. Uh, it's got an alternate round marker and a buildable punchboard hanger, and. So you was this to... announced? I thought this was. I thought this came with the original uh, base game. Oh no! Uh, you know what? Maybe it's for sale now, but it was a freebie it's when you possible. got the original game. Yeah, because this, I, 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 this looks familiar. And... It's, it's brand. It was brand new on the site. Okay. Uh, I missed the very beginning. I just figured that I missed this too. But regardless, it's it's available for pre-order now, and it's ten dollars. There we go. You got a punchboard hanger, man. You have some place to put your planes. And you got Don Moreno, who I uh, appreciate just because recently, uh, for my daughter's birthday, she asked for a bunch of Snake Eyes roleplay items from, like, uh, as in the costume, like roleplay toy items. So she got the mask, she got a couple of his swords, she got the bandolier that uh, some of the weapons attached to, and that was, you know, cool for me because she's never shown any interest in GI Joe, and that when we were going around the toy store, and I was asking her what she would like me to take pictures of to to add to her digital toy list. She was really like all of these Snake Eyes items. And after playing with them for two, three weeks after her birthday, she suddenly had this like 
disappointed thought and was like, is there a girl snake eyes? And I was like, as a matter of fact, there is. And so for a second, she almost lost interest just because it wasn't geared towards her. And then suddenly she could relate to the character again. So I, I showed her a bunch of images of Don Moreno, showed her, I uh, previewed some of the art of Don Moreno that's in the role-playing game. So I could say like, this is something I worked on. And look, Don Moreno's in there too. And uh, yeah, it, it basically bullet dodged and she is still a, a really big fan of Snake Eyes. So this is the promo pack for the first set, but now available separately. Yeah. Yeah. The for sale is the big difference now, I guess. Oh, okay. 10 bucks. Get yourself yep. Get yourself at some Don Moreno. Get yourself a punchable hanger. That hanger's punchable. It says. No. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, that's almost the same thing, right? I've seen some hangers that are just like that. Hanger is so punchable. <laughs> that that hanger's talking crap about your mom. What? Mm. So up next. <laughs> up third, we'll, we'll, we will. <laughs> we will. Well, I, I I set all the sprites in your computer off at that one. Yeah. Uh, we'll, um, we'll before start... we get to this, what about Cold Snap, the other expansion for the deck building game? I was all set to talk about that one. Did I put that in the wrong place? I probably put it in the wrong place. So go ahead, Ryan. Talk about that. All right. Well, Cold Snap is another expansion for the deck building game. It's a smaller expansion than uh, Shadow of the Serpent, and it is completely focused on Arctic Troopers. So... You've got some of the A-list characters in Arctic gear. I believe it's Snake Eyes and Lady J. Let me see if I can pull up the cover so that at least I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, there we go. So um, you've got Snake Eyes, Gung Ho. Gung Ho and Scarlet are the characters that have already been established, but now we've got Arctic versions of them. But we're getting an Arctic Quick Kick, who uh, I know we've seen Quick Kick in the Arctic just looking like regular Quick Kick, but in this case, he's actually got the jacket. Uh, we're getting Iceberg, Snowjob, and... Uh, that's that's what we're mo most concerned about. Shoes. You know what? Gung Ho's in the way of his legs. So we know he's wearing a jacket, but we don't know what his what he's got on his feet. Gung Ho's giving him the life helmet. That's what he's doing. <laughs> you know what? I don't see a single foot on this package. So it is very life held. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but we also got uh Blizzard and a character on the side that I believe is um oh shoot, um blanket on his name now give me some more of those arctic troopers iceberg it's not iceberg is in there sub-zero it's not sub-zero uh you already said blizzard it's not snow job you know snow job yeah snow job's uh, on the cover shoot um, who was the one from the nintendo game the original nes nintendo game he has a tiger force version in I the thought, uk i thought that was blizzard oh yeah sorry that is blizzard yes yes yeah I was mixing up Blizzard and Frostbite. So Frostbite's on the cover, Blizzard's on the side, I believe. Okay, all right, all right. Blizz Blizzard's a guy who never never gets the run. I, he is my absolute favorite. <laughs> you say he never gets the run. He was in the original Nintendo game. Well, Of all the Arctic Troopers, he was the one available at the time. He was the one on the shelves, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's got a variety of Joes, and they really like put out a lot of these Arctic Troopers. They didn't just throw a bunch of Joes in their jackets. But also in this set... Uh, right there on the cover, you've got the uh, the Weather Dominator. Nice. And the, uh, uh, Dreadnoughts, even though they're not Arctic, Dreadnoughts play a major role as villains that are introduced in this uh, this box. So, uh, yeah, it's it's even though it's a smaller expansion, it's loaded with some cool stuff. Quick Kick should be the one named Frostbite. <laughs> Frosted yeah. Tips. Yeah. 
he's gonna he's gonna be they're gonna call him two toes when it's all said and done because that's what he's gonna have left i have a friend who did like a bikini shoot in the winter and she said she almost lost a toe so made me think of quick kick and just like how ridiculous his introduction was in the sunbow series uh joe colton has some stories similar to that i bet she does she does she does we have we have heard them on the on the show before. I won't bore everybody who's go back and go back and watch the library. You can you can catch all of Joe Joe Colton's strange stories from her youth, including <laughs> when she was an eating champion uh, and when she was the drift queen of to the Toronto street racing scene. Um, that one I don't think I caught. Oh yeah, no, it's that's a good one. I'll I'll, I'll try and figure out an, an episode number for you on that one. Very good. Uh, but yeah, it's it's um. Ter- terrifying and and hilarious all at the same time. So okay, so I, I missed one there because of the similarity of, of box colors. So again, what can I tell you? I was at work all weekend. We got a bit of a rush job going. Sorry, I got the guy who wrote the game. What else do you want from me, people? And I stopped you from talking about it so we could talk about a game I have not played and had nothing to do with. <laughs> That's the ultimate sacrifice right there. That's throwing yourself on the hand grenade. Well, I didn't want cold snap to get overlooked. I was really impressed with the selection of Joe's in that one. There you go. But um, So anyways, uh, as we've been saying for a couple of weeks now uh, on the main program, the tabletop role-playing game core rulebook is set to ship at the end of the month of actual physical book. Uh, the PDF will be available on March 15th for players who pre-order the, the regular book uh, they will get the PDF for free if they pre-order before March 8th. So that's only a couple of days away. That is Today is the 6th. If for the record, it's Sunday the 6th. So Monday 7th, Tuesday the 8th. Tuesday, Tuesday is your last day to be involved in the first wave of shipping on the tabletop role-playing game core rulebook. There's also a deluxe core rulebook. That's uh, right. Uh, it is the same price. It's just limited to 3000 I believe. And instead of the uh, artwork cover, it's got... Um, like it's solid blue with a silver foil uh, G.I. Joe logo and then the, the branding on the side. And I forget what type of material it is, but the the people who are in charge of the deluxe books really think that material is a selling point. So I expect to get a copy of each and I'll do like a, a field test for you when I finally get them in hand. There you go. It's uh, it's it's velour. It's just something that'll make your your hands just just... The stress will just melt away so you can roll your dice freely. Because <laughs> I hate when my dice get stuck to my hands. You're so angry that they crease up. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I have such deep folds in my palms? Oh, oh the, the agony. <laughs> okay. So for... First, uh, first new bit of business on the tabletop role-playing game was the the I don't again I'm I'm out of order here I just kind of have this grouped as far as what game they're in, uh, but the miniature figurine set figure was was the one that would get most people all hepped up. Uh, you can pre-order this box now. It is fifty-five dollars. Uh, the figurines are unpainted and twenty-eight millimeters tall, as Ryan said just a, a few moments ago. Hold on, nope. So this welcome to the very confusing world of role-playing game miniature scale. They're twenty-eight millimeter scale, which means from the eyes to the toes, an average height male would be twenty-eight millimeters. 
And so you will get some miniature. Actually, every miniature will be higher than 28 millimeters because, again, it's only to the eyes. So we've got a couple of millimeters of distance then uh, like above it, but it also accounts for if they're crouching or, or leaning over or whatever. So there's, anyway, it's, it's really confusing. It's way more convoluted than it has any business being, but that is how the miniatures are, are measured. So if you're wondering if it's compatible with your Dungeons and Dragons miniatures or any other role-playing game miniatures, the majority of them use 28 millimeter scale Warhammer bumps it up to like 32 millimeter, or it might even be called 28 millimeter heroic scale. Like it's really annoying. And I only know enough about it to know how obnoxious it is to keep track of all the different scales of miniatures. Right. I, I, I am lost on the world of miniatures. Like I've done a little bit of role playing, but I, I, I never really messed with miniatures even when I played. So, um, like that that's you're, you're you might as well be be speaking in in portuguese right now as much as i understand but i kind of uh, get what you're saying there yeah so if you've got those jada miniatures the, the the metal ones the jada ones are just a little taller than these so they're basically close enough that they're compatible with our role-playing game miniatures okay and these are die cast or there are they plastic they are plastic okay uh, we have an interesting selection of characters in this 12-piece set we got airtight. Yep. Bazooka. That surprised me. Yeah, right. Airtight, Bazooka, Cover Girl, uh, Duke and Gung Ho, the stalwarts, Jinx, uh, Lady J is back, Mutton Junkyard, Rock and Roll, Scarlet, Snake Eyes, and Stalker. Uh, Roadblock on the outside saying, Hey, what's a guy got to do to get in the miniature set? But whatever. <laughs> um, but a, a neat set there, a nice cross section. Uh, airtight, certainly the weirdo of the bunch. Um, I, I guess, I mean, when you're thinking about the different roles that you could play in the game, he kind of fills the technician role. So if you're going to be playing a nerdy type, regardless of this specific specialty and you need a miniature for it, he's a good stand-in. So if you remember, these were first previewed at the last Renegade Con virtual special edition, the one in August. And I came on the show and I, I didn't know what the actual list was. And I speculated that the missing spots would obviously be Roadblock, since he was the only character from the cover who didn't get into the miniatures. Um, he's even on this box, right. and he's not one of the characters inside, so I don't know what happened there. I do know that this is uh, Heroic Mini Set 1, and if he's not in Set 2, then there must be some kind of issue with the license or maybe like uh, some kind of approval problem, because it's very strange that Roadblock is not in here. Uh, but I also speculated that Doc would be in the set, and he is not. And I forget who my third guess was, but I'm willing to say I was probably wrong because the figures that we're seeing here that we did not get any kind of hint of are Rock and Roll, Mutton Junkyard, Airtight, and Stalker. And uh, yeah, I would not have guessed any of those would have been the ones that fill out the set. Yeah, and again, not a complaint. We just no, no. didn't see them coming. And it's also, it's not necessarily their their most classic design like i know that rock and roll from i believe that's the idw redesign where he's mostly in like a black t-shirt and he's much more casual and uh we talked about it last time this is jinx uh valor versus venom jinx i believe it's it's more um kimono style rather than uh red gi Very which cool. gives you more colors and like textures to play around with so rather than having the all red ninja and the all black ninja in the set i guess those could have been the first ninjas you paint just to get painting the miniatures down so that you don't have to worry about things like details or contrasting colors. Right. 
Uh, and the stalker, stalker is from uh, I don't know if that's spy troop stalker of valor versus venom stalker, but that is not classic stalker either. But it's it's cool to get that different interpretation of them, taking out all the easy ones. Curse you, renegade <laughs> game studios. Yeah, the really tough one, I think, would be Bazooka if you want to get the number on his jersey because I don't think it's been molded on. And if you've got a hand print, like figure out where underneath the bazooka arms that he's got up there where the numbers would fit that's going to be a challenge but you can definitely get the the red or if you want to go tiger force colors which you totally can because they're unpainted in fact we got a lot of tiger force representation if the, in the set i am uh, i would go with a different number altogether like i put bazooka in like number 91 or something but why because because i'm a butt that's why all right <laughs> Be sure to give us uh, your your ideas on who should have been included in this miniature set down in the comments below. Um, remember, if you're watching us on Facebook tonight, uh, be sure to give us some kind of a reaction. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a heart. Give us a little huggy guy. We love little huggy guy. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you so much. Uh, be sure to like the video, uh, share it, uh, subscribe to the channel. Good God, please subscribe to the channel. Uh, so close to a thousand subscribers. You're driving me crazy here, folks. Uh, uh, looking at some of the comments, two people are specifically very excited that Airtight is in this set. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just like he may be a surprise, but he is appreciated. Absolutely. I, I don't think Airtight is, I, I don't think anybody hates Airtight. He just, he's just been kind of ignored for 30 Even years. Even the Eco Warriors ignored Airtight. Right, right. I mean, you'd figure he'd have natural for that, but no. No, he gets the what two episodes of the cartoon. Matt Rubin wants to know about Alpine. Matt Rubin's what great. would you like to know about Alpine? He's not in this box, and I don't know anything about other plants. Right. <laughs> I mean, Bazooka's just going to get lonely. I guess I, I don't know. Oh, that's that's why Alpine is such a noticeable omission. It would have been nice to get Alpine in there with his buddy. I guess. I mean, if Bazooka's not there, you have nobody to kill in Resolute. So, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Kill him off camera, no less. Yeah. But uh, moving on, uh, we have the uh, another reveal, and this was actually revealed on Facebook uh, by former host of the program, Justin Bell. But Operation Cold Iron is an expansion module, uh, and he, he posted a picture of the cover that is not, not on Renegade's site even, that is co-authored by Justin and you. Yes, so uh, there's four authors. So myself, uh, Ben Heisler, and Paige Lightman, who were also the co-authors on the uh, the core rulebook. So uh, the four of us wrote this. It's Operation Cold Iron. It is four standalone adventures that, when played in a row, also tell like a larger overarching story. So you could play them piecemeal if you want to mix things up, or if you really just want to go one gigantic arc that'll take you a couple of months worth of sessions to play through, you can do that as well. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it takes you all over the globe. It introduces some new vehicles. The Snowcat is introduced, an old favorite of mine. And as you can see on the cover, you will be taking on, at some point in the book, someone in snake armor. Uh, and you know what? I expect the combat to go pretty much like what's pictured here. That is basically how role-playing game combat goes, where it's one bad guy just desperately trying to take out all the rats that are just crawling all over him from every angle and poking at him with any weapon that they've got. Uh, Paul Sidaway saying, but these aren't those characters. Like, yeah, so uh, we use 
iconic characters from G.I. Joe as stand-ins for, you'll be playing an original character most likely or whoever character you want to be playing. So you won't necessarily see Snake Eyes, Flint, Snowjob, Lady J, Cover Girl, and uh, if you see down by the Polar Battle Bear, that's uh, that's Frostbite. Uh, you won't necessarily be seeing them because those are on the good guy side and you're the good guys, the, the players are. But the snake armor definitely appears as one of the bad guys in the book. Excellent. So uh, I'm going to take that bazooka figure and give him, um, I'll call him Law Rocket, and I'll give him a Lawrence Taylor jersey. That'll be, that'll be where we go. All right. Anyways. Well, is that tied to Cold Iron for some reason, or are you just going back to that? No, I'm just going back to that because that's what that's what Paul Sidaway did in the, the thing we put up there. So gotcha. Uh, but this image is a kid stuff cover on steroids. It's beautiful. I agree. What is kid stuff? I, I'm not entirely sure, but what I'm thinking is it's one of those choose your own adventure books that were out. Yes. Like so a- the um the cover of the core rule book has often been compared to the find your fates with the painted covers that are just like yeah. A little bit cinematic and a little bit uh, comic book cover. And yeah, this continues in that style. I, I suspect that's just going to be the cover style of the G.I. Joe role-playing game. So uh, I'm, I'm not complaining. I love it, actually. I think these are some really fun dynamic covers that, um, in this case, are extremely dynamic and action-packed. Yes, just just a, just a touch, just 1% batshit crazy. Yeah, well, with the missiles. The missiles is what I think puts it over the end. The edge, <laughs> that the snake is like, he's he's got his claw up, he's blasting somebody with a flamethrower, and he's even firing missiles off his back. Probably trying to get snake eyes, who's just trying to pry into the snake armor with his sword. Because in, in the snake armor, airtight. Who knew? Oh. Anyways. <laughs> More airtight. Can't have enough airtight. <laughs> So do you have any details on this that you're at liberty to reveal, or do we just have to wait and, and buy the module for ourselves? Uh, let's see. Some of the other details we can talk about. Um, it, I mean, it does at some point take place uh, in an Arctic setting, but it is not exclusively Arctic. So if you you uh, roll up a character that is an Arctic specialist, you will have some time to play in your favorite environment towards the end of the adventure, but you won't be in, like, you won't be, Aquaman in a water-based action movie. Like you'll be Aquaman in a movie just waiting for the water to show up so that you can do all your Aquaman stuff, or in this case, your Arctic stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a, a fun mix of role-playing opportunities, a couple of like what's in Dungeons and Dragons is called the dungeon crawl, where you just like you go to one major location and you are exploring it and solving the problem of what's going on there as you are proceeding into it. Um yeah, there, there's some good uh, uh, like cross-country, uh, not exploration, but adventuring, basically. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to what people think of Justin's section. He really contributed some some of the deepest cuts from G.I. Joe lore into this role-playing game. And if people have heard me talk about what's actually in the core rulebook, you know I don't shy away from deep cuts, and Justin went deeper. So what you're saying is this is a Sigma-6 module. Oh, I, you know what? Sigma 6 did, it, it influenced the equipment section of the Jojo role-playing game. So Sigma 6 has already had its influence on this game. Because right. Sigma 6 is amazing. Look, I, I, I love the toys. Make no mistake. I don't have any of them because I just, I wasn't in a spot to, to add that degree of stuff at the time. Uh, yeah. They're fantastic toys. That, that show, unfortunately, was not fantastic. You know what? Second season really picked things up. And 
uh, going back to my daughter, who, again, has not engaged with much G.I. Joe, but one time she watched me, uh, she caught me watching some Sigma 6 on the Hasbro YouTube channel when it got uploaded, and it was the first time she'd really been like, ooh, what is this, and really wanted to know more about the characters. So it it has its role in G.I. Joe fandom, even if people still <laughs> resent it all these years later. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it does have, it's got a role just because anime is so popular, right? Mm-hmm. Like any any, if you put your characters into that style, it's going to get some kind of attention, and they may have been. I, I what I really think that Sigma Six was maybe just uh, either it's either a little ahead of its time or a little behind its time, and I haven't figured out which yet. Uh, but I think they just needed to spend a little bit more on scripts, and and it probably would have had a much better fate than it got. Well, again, when they got past the Power Stone stuff and they got into that second season where it was Lieutenant Stone and Firefly was on the Joes and there was some kind of turncoat, there was some interesting stuff and some good long-term storytelling. It was still, like, sillier than a lot of the G.I. Joe animated stuff we were used to, but it got better, but by then it probably had already lost its its chance to get an adult audience. Right, or or even just an all-ages audience. I mean, I don't, I don't need yeah. everything written for me. Uh, this, this is about toys, right? So it should be accessible to kids. Uh, but... Uh, but yeah, it just it there there has there has to be some kind of it, it almost it almost felt a little it just didn't take the audience seriously enough. Like mm. as as weird as Sunbow was, right? You still had people that acted like people. <laughs> yep. If that makes any sense, like the the Joes were still human beings, and they were something that even as kids we could relate. Like, oh yeah, yeah hey, I I know somebody like that. My dad's like that. My uncle's like that. My aunt's like that. Whatever. But um. Or I, you know, my my scout leader does something like that. They're just whatever. We we can relate to the Joes in that show because they're real people, and they just weren't in Sigma Six, right? Yeah, uh, you probably remember when Beachhead and Mainframe are trapped in the sarcophagus for Vlad the Impaler's castle when the whole thing collapsed. Yeah, they dig them out. They open the sarcophagus, and Mainframe's like, Beachhead, I want to talk to you about your deodorant. Beachhead's all like, I don't wear deodorant. And Mainframe says like. That's what I want to talk to you about. That is an adult joke. I do. I, the older I get, the more I appreciate how awful being caught in a tight, humid space with a stinky guy must be. And yeah. at the time, as a kid, I was just like, "I think this is funny, but I don't really get it." See, I I thought it was. I remember laughing at that like when I was a kid. Yeah. So yeah, and it's, it's a great line. Oh, Sunbo <laughs> had really good writing. Yeah, it it really did. It, it it's we we don't know how good we had it mm. until it was over. I mean. Yeah, we do. I mean, now we do, sure. But um, okay, so moving forward, before we get go down yet another rabbit hole. Oh, that's it. <laughs> I, got, I got dancing guy. So uh, what you don't have then is the announcement that we are putting out a Cobra source book. <gasps> so the first uh, the first follow up to the GI Joe role playing game is the GM screen, which includes the standalone adventure. Uh, op, uh, sorry, Emerald Oubliette. Then we've got Operation Cold Iron is coming out after that, which is, again, is an adventure. So you buy it, your GM runs it, your players interact with it, but there's not a lot of new options for uh, customizing your characters. That you're still reliant on the core rulebook and any cross-compatibility with the tra uh, sorry with the Power Rangers and Transformers role-playing games that will be out at the time. But the first new book of options for the G.I. Joe role-playing game is a source book based on Cobra. Title's not finalized. We're just calling it the Cobra source book for now. Uh, but it is one part telling you all about the Cobra organization. So if you're a GM, a game master, and you plan on running in this world, this is a great source 
for information to give you more of an idea of like the ins and outs of the organization. So if you want to do something a little more about Cobra uh, in, in her policy, like the, the politics of how that organization runs, this gives you a much more in-depth look into it than what's presented in the core rulebook, which has lore and whatnot, but this is like a deep dive into the Cobra lore specifically. And it has new options that are, if you want to play as a Cobra character and run a Cobra campaign, we've got new options that take a lot of the options from the core rulebook for the Judge or role-playing game and put like, sometimes it's an evil spin on them. Sometimes it's a more tragic spin on them. And sometimes it's just, this is based on a Cobra character, but it's perfectly valid if you want to use this for a G.I. Joe character. Hmm. Okay. That sounds like it'll be, it'll be fun. I, I hope so. So Shane Simic is saying, will the Cobra Sourcebook have a Cobra adventure? Yes, it has an adventure called Pressure. And, I, and like, it's in editing right now in development. So there's a chance that anything that I say, this is the name of it, will will get changed. But uh, yeah, so it's one part um, Big Bolo running you through Squid Game. And then one part, these like already veterans of just how terrible Cobra can be proving their worth and going and doing a Destro favor. So it's kind of like two adventures in one, but again, they're thematically tied. And if you play all the way through it, you go from uh, this series of skill tests that really is teaching you the game and teaching you just how brutal Cobra can be to some of its recruits. And then the more, uh, more of a reward section. So the better you do in that obstacle course that Big Boa is putting you through uh, called the Constrictor, uh, the more benefits you get in the second part of the adventure. Oh, thank you. And then in part three, of course, uh, Cobra agent David Bowie tries to take all the credit for his collaboration with Queen. Oh, under pressure. Mm. That's, a, that's, Anyways, a, that's a reference. <laughs> that's, that's a terrible, terrible joke because I'm punchy. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, I, I can't use punchy as an excuse. I'm never funny. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> You're too hard on yourself. Oh, yeah. No, you're great. Oh. Right about now is where I'd have a guy throwing the cape on me like James Brown. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so, Ryan, it's it. You were you were all over this two day event, man. You're, you're writing my little pony stuff. You're writing my yes. you're writing G.I. Joe stuff. You're you're so uh, I, I was writing the Cobra source book at the same time as I was writing my little pony core rule book. That had uh, it, oh, my Google searches were messed up around that time. <laughs> it, I, if the CIA or whatever, CSIS, the Canadian equivalent, was watching me, they were like, I think he might be trying to blow up a bakery. <laughs> He's devised something deadly to do with sprinkles. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it goes from one side of like, how do I lean into these are the most evil people in the world and they will kill everything you love and then it's like all right i'm gonna shift gear and now it's like all exclamation points all pastel colors a bunch of ponies who are just having a good time and being good friends uh it was it was a real code switch for me and um like fun and i hope that one product didn't uh actually in like subtly influence the other products we'll just have to see when both books come out and people are asking why twilight is like this anti-terrorist uh com commando so uh, yeah, Ritz Murphy asked the question that's that's all on all of our lips. Uh, My Little Pony G.I. Joe crossover. So the Essence 20 system that operates Power Rangers, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and now it's officially announced it also operates My Little Pony, are completely cross-compatible. 
but how you inter how the different systems interact with each other can create some really bizarre uh, bedfellows we'll say so like in my little pony your role is which element of harmony you most represent so you could technically take an origin from the judge or role-playing game like i was in the navy and now i represent the element of honesty and you the will get a whole what's that the pony navy sure the pony navy uh the uh the Oh, what are they called? Um, hippocampus. Hippocampus is like a like a seahorse centaur. Okay. Go on. Yes. Um, yeah. So um, you can create these characters that mechanically are 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 cross compatible, uh, or you can even have just a character that was completely made from the pony game, teaming up with a character that was completely made with the GI Joe game. And if your your game master can create the ultimate My Little Pony GI Joe crossover adventure for you, then absolutely it works together. Well, t t everybody's going to be firing up that uh, that uh, edited scene that Buzz Dixon told us about years ago, where he planned on having he planned on having uh, in the My Little Pony movie uh, the ponies were going to cross various other Sunbow universes to try and get help. And they were going when when they encountered the GI Joe universe, they were going to find Shipwreck, who was just, <laughs> who was just coming back in from a night of revelry, uh, with a bottle in his hand, and you know the ponies are imploring him to come help, and and Shipwreck's just standing there stunned, and he just kind of <laughs> throws the bottle off to the side and runs away. Uh, so yeah, I, everybody's going to be doing that scene now. Nice. So I've seen some people that they want to do uh, a race between Starscream and Rainbow Dash. And uh, I, I want to see Rainbow Dash team up with uh, G.I. Joe's Dash, Dashiell Fairborn, Flint himself. I'd like to see him riding uh, riding Rainbow Dash. I'd love to see Unicron transform into a unicorn. Well, I mean, I think that's just natural. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to see Mutt driving Hound. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're seeing it. I, I got you. I got you. Uh, uh, a fight between a shark and a Sharkticon? <laughs> Shade Seamick, uh, before we go down this rabbit hole for another hour, uh, <laughs> ask Brian, what's it like creating new G.I. Joe stories and content? So it's uh, super exciting, but it's not entirely new. A lot of it is trying to, to stay bungeed to what already exists. So uh, like we've got the active roster section in the G.I. Joe core rulebook, and every single character in there is from some point of G.I. Joe canon. So a lot of it is actually just cross-referencing and spending a lot of time on 3D Joes and reading over file cards and just seeing uh, what I can draw from to uh, to like inspire new options. Because like, yes, I've written adventures, but most of what I've been writing has just been like, here's an element of a character that if you pile all these things together, then you've got uh, a, a Chico, the, the motorcycle ninja from the the... G.I. Joe uh, Rise of Cobra line, or was he from Retaliation? I believe that was Pursuit of Cobra. Oh, yes, it was Pursuit of Cobra. And so if you want to make him, there are rules to ride a motorcycle and turn it into your armor. And so it's a lot of stuff like that. And um, as far as writing the adventures, it's really just like finding things that work together and trying to figure out like, is this a mystery? Or do I really just want to say like, hey, the villain in this one is Serpentor. It's the Serpentor adventure. Go all out. Maybe your characters don't know who Serpentor is, but you as a player do. And so you'd be excited about that. 
but like just in general it's very fun it's very exciting and uh just like knowing that i've got any kind of official status within the gi joe community now is it's it's fun yeah it's pretty wild yeah i mean you, you've only you've been a fan now for 40 years or so yeah turning 42 this year so i guess i wasn't a fan before gi joe was you know back in the real american hero but i was a fan before my earliest memory there you go I, I, as I get older, I find that my earliest memories, and, and I was a couple of years older. I mean, I wasn't a whole lot older, but yeah, anyways, age joke. Um, yeah, well, I mean, like when people ask me what my first G.I. Joe was, it's like, I don't know. I remember having a handful of them. And like my earliest memory of playing with G.I. Joe is the, the sidewalk in front of my house had like a crack. And man, did we have adventures in that crack. Like just, it was something, yes, I know. I realize, and I apologize for what I have just said, but uh, there we go. The fact remains, quote, man, did we have adventures in that crack. Well, we did. And so I had a handful of GI Joes that were all playing in that side of the sidewalk. However you want to describe it, Mike. Uh, but yeah, I don't remember which one was the first one because uh, with one older brother and with GI Joe being targeted at me from when I was, you know, three, four years old, uh, I, I've just always had a minimum of a handful of GI Joes within reach. You looking up some of these comments? Because I'm seeing some comments. I am not. I was actually I was putting that together. There we go. <laughs> Great. Now that's out there. Yeah, <laughs> you you already put it out there. Yes, but you highlighted that it was out there. Daniel Rodriguez asks, are you taking story ideas from fans? Uh, so, like, sort of. I mean, we hired Justin to tell a story. So in that way we are. But, like, as far as uh, just, like, going to the fans and asking what they want, a lot of it is, like, we we have posted things like that into our Facebook groups. But most of it is just, like, uh, uh, taking the temperature of some ideas we have of, like, what should the next three, four books be? Uh, not necessarily adventures, not necessarily stories, but like you need a theme for the next chunk of options. We have some ideas of what the next bunch of themes are going to be. So like when a lot of people were answering that kind of question with like, oh, we definitely need a book about Cobra. That was like, okay, good. Because we don't know how many people are going to be like, I don't want to be bad guys. I'm going to skip this book. And suddenly our first follow-up is not going to be a popular book. Like that's always the fear. Right. So we're not directly saying like, tell me an idea and we'll turn it into an adventure, but we are of more subtle ways of being like, are we on the right track? What do you want? And how does that compare to our plans? Uh, Rob Vegas asks, uh, maybe a fishing trip with 1993 bazooka and leatherneck. So that's the kind of thing that I might put into the front of an adventure uh, that I'm running. Like, so not necessarily something I'll write into a book, but when I need just transition scenes from one mission to another and just to give people a chance to blow off some steam. That's an idea I have, or another idea I have is that, or sorry, that's not an idea I have. That's an example of an idea I could use. The idea I specifically I have is that the quartermaster is like rock and roll and heavy metal or heavy duty are using a lot of ammo and it's suspicious. Can you go see what they're doing and you find them at the shooting range and they are just like rock it out because uh, heavy heavy duty's file card specifically says that he plays classical music or he fires his machine gun to the beat of classical music and rock and roll being rock and roll they're trying to do like mashup 
with their heavy machine guns and uh, you know they'll even invite the other player in and if you really do participate and you do well you might even get a bonus to some kind of uh, activity later like i might let you use perform instead of your targeting on a specific role because you remember that like you, you feel the rhythm within you that was taught to you by rock and roll and heavy duty so uh those are the kind of scenes that i'm thinking of for me and for my home games you probably won't see them in a book unless i just have a book with like here's 50 prompts like a list of 50 prompts for ways things you can do around the pit between missions in fact i might actually totally do a list of 50 prompts either in a book or maybe as a blog post or something because that's actually a really cool idea Nice. Uh, Firefly's got a compliment here. The, this book about Cobra is the focal point. It's absolutely new. Even the comics called Cobra were about G.I. Joe's. You broke new ground. Oh, thank you, Firefly. Hmm. Or is Firefly just happy that his employer is getting a little more attention? Uh, Nomad's wondering, can we get some exploration of game mechanics? Actually, sure. Yeah, yeah. Give, give that us, was kind of the focal point of the last time I was on. Yeah, give, give us the nickel tour. I would say that for, for more in-depth uh, episode 183 is good, or if you want to go to Renegade's YouTube channel for something really in depth, because um, they'll have it. They'll ha it's the same game mechanics on, on the tabletop RPG for GI Joe, for Transformers, for Power Rangers, for for all. Correct? It's all this essence. Yeah. So, so any of those is fine. They didn't. When I checked earlier this evening, they didn't quite have everything posted from this weekend yet. I imagine that will be different later in the week, but. For, for again, for the nickel tour, I'll, I'll turn it over to Ryan here. Yeah, so uh, there's two things we'll explore. One is character creation, and one of them is the basic uh, conflict resolution mechanic of the game. So for character creation, there are three main components to the character that you have to choose. One of them is your role, which in the G.I. Joe context is what are you doing on the team? So when we were looking at the miniatures, I said airtight makes a good technician. So that's one of the roles. That's almost our spellcaster equivalent, the one who can take technology or take a skill and become such an expert in it that you could do unusual things with it and like extraordinary things. But then the other roles are commando and within every role, there's uh, three focuses and so, or foci, three focus options, I say, because I hate both having focus as a singular and a plural and I hate the word foci. So three focus options and commando is great because all three examples are pretty self-explanatory and it shows you how they, they're different from each other. Uh, you've got the Infiltrator, which is really the Snake Eyes uh, icon, uh, iconic role. Uh, you've got the Spy, which is more your Scarlet. And then you've got the Sniper, your low lights and your other snipers, shooter. Um, so yeah, so you're choosing your role. The roles in the core book are Commando, Infantry, Officer. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Ranger, Renegade, yep. which is kind of our Barbarian equivalent. It is the... the Close combat specialists, the ones that are just like a little rough around the collar and the way we explain them in the lore is that these are guys that if G.I. Joe hadn't recruit them, there's a good chance Cobra would have recruited them. And then it's somebody they have to fight against instead of somebody they have to deal with for being a bit of a pain in the butt and not really following military procedure. Uh, and then there's technician and oh, there's one more. Who's at the bottom Pilot. of the list? Pilot. That? Pilot. No. So, um. Uh, within infantry, one of the focuses is, uh, I believe it's called driver. Let me just double check the actual name. It's not artillery. There's artillery, medic, oh, mechanized infantry. So uh, that be, lets you be specialized in a specific vehicle. So if you want to be a pilot, the Got best route would be infantry with a focus on mechanized infantry. And your origin would be the Air Force. So we'll switch gears. Actually, let me just say, oh, Vanguard is the last 
of the roles and Vanguard is the uh, like frontline leader. So Roadblock is considered a Vanguard. Lady J is considered a Vanguard. They're not officers, but they are the ones that a lot of people uh, turn to. So that is roles. The other two components are your influences and your origin. So uh, in a G.I. Joe context, origin is your what you were doing that got you to G.I. Joe's attention. So it could have been your military service, in which case you get a bonus for being in the Army, for being in the Navy, or being for being in the Air Force. But then there's some non-branch specific origins, uh, the first responder, covert ops, and intelligence. And then there's some just straight up non-military origins. One of them is civilian, one of them is engineer, and one of them is scientist. So you uh, you do some mix and matching, and you get uh, a variety of benefits from that. Your origin will be like one benefit because it's what you were doing before you joined G.I. Joe, whereas your role, you start with some, and then as you level up, you get more and more abilities from your role. Uh, and so, like, if you want, you can just be a straightforward character. So uh, if you wanted to be a pilot, you could be from the Air Force, infantry, mechanized infantry, but you can mix it up. You could do non-military. You could be just a, a pilot enthusiast and say you were a civilian and you got into the G.I. Joe because of your uh, Air Force savantism. Or uh, you, you could be an engineer origin because you were the person that was fixing planes and then, like, there was some kind of raid at your, your airfield, and so you had to get in behind the pilot's uh, seat of an aircraft because just no one else was there, and it ends up all your time spent in the engines really gave you skills to fly these planes, and then G.I. Joe's like, well, then we need you on board because you can fly a plane and fix a plane. Those are two different things we can uh, we would appreciate. Uh, so that's how you mix and match with your origins. The last one is influence, and this is a lot more of your personality. So... Um, you can take up to three influences. If you take one, you get a bonus. If you take two or three, then you also get hangups. So uh, Artisan is one of them, and Artisan, the example, is Roadblock. And so there's that episode where uh, Low, uh, or sorry, Lifeline invites Roadblock to his sister's wedding. Mm -hmm. And because Roadblock is such a, a lover of uh, French cuisine, he manages to get into the kitchen where he could have uncovered a Cobra plot because of his influence. But his hangup is that he is so obsessed with French fruit that he walked right by all of these undercover covert agents, went straight to the pot, and got ambushed. So that's how uh, perks and hangups work. And uh, those are the three main things you have to worry about when you're creating your character. Nice example on that one. Thank uh, it's, it's my go-to. And then as far as how the game works, so you are almost always doing what's called a skill test. Uh, you need your, your standard set of, of role-playing dice, so the D20, which is the 20-sided dice, the D12, the D10, the D8, the D6, the D4, and we use the D2. Um, when you are increasing your skill in or your, your proficiency in a skill, instead of getting just like a numeric bonus, like you don't roll 1D20 plus 6 if you're fairly good at something, you would roll 1D20 and a D6. So you'll be leveling up the die you're rolling with your D20, and then uh, you add them together, you compare them to the difficulty, which could be either just a set difficulty, like it's it's 15 to cook this souffle, and Roblox would be rolling his perform check to see how well he cooked that souffle, which would probably be very well, because it's Roblox. Um, or it could be uh, uh, directly opposed to somebody else's skill check. So like uh, in the case of a cook-off, it would be perform versus perform, and whoever uh, does better, it doesn't matter that they both reach a certain competency of souffle cooking, it's the better of the two souffles. So it would be whoever had the higher uh, result. 
And then finally, there is if you are actively trying to affect another character, everyone has their defenses. And so uh, I, I, I don't know how to relate that to the cook-off. So we'll have to just go, if you're shooting somebody, then you are either targeting their evasion defense and they're trying to avoid the blast or their toughness event defense. And they're just trying to be too tough to take damage from what you're trying to do. And uh, within that, there is a fun mechanic called the specialization where when you're increasing a rank, instead of going up to the next uh, die size, you can just take a specialization which you get to kind of craft of like, what is it specifically you're specializing in? And then when that comes up, so if we're talking about cooking, so you would take profession, specialization in cooking, and when you have to do, uh, sorry, not profession, but perform, when you have to do a perform check that relates to cooking, you're not only rolling your perform die, but you're rolling every die below it. So if you've got a D8 in perform and a specialization in cooking, then you're rolling a D20, and taking the highest result of either a D8, a D6, a D4, and a D2. And that we call that rolling down the the uh, the skill ladder. So it's, it, it's, it's a nice and simple mechanic, bringing up my daughter for the third time. I have played an Essence 20 game with my daughter, and I've also played Pathfinder with her, which is a Dungeons & Dragons type of role-playing game. And uh, Pathfinder was a little more confusing for her because it's a lot of numbers. And so I was tending to do the math for her here, but because uh, Essence 20 is just the results of two dice, she's more able to handle that math and she's able to do it really quickly. She's not cross-referencing a character sheet. She's just looking at the two dice that she just rolled to try and figure out the result. Your your daughter is, for record, uh, how old? Scarlet, yes. Oh no, she's seven years old. Yes, and her name is Scarlet. Well, that and was her the- name is Scarlet, yes. You got ahead of me on that one, but yes. <laughs> you're, you're not obsessed or anything. You're not not G.I. Joe dyed in the wool or anything, no. There are multiple reasons that we named her Scarlet. G.I. Joe is one of them. Uh Uh-huh. So anyways, moving on. Uh, Shane C. McKenna, what's the best place to follow what's going on in upcoming news? I think what's on Joe Mind is your answer, but I think you meant the game. (laughs) I think you meant the the game and game news. So, Ryan, what's the best place to point Shane as far as uh, stuff involving this, this wonderful batch of goodies from Renegade Game Studios? All right. Well, there's, uh, I guess it depends on how you like to get your news. Renegade has a lot of social media presence. And so if you uh, like their Facebook page or there is a G.I. Joe tabletop game specific uh, Facebook page they've created, they regularly will post there when there's news coming up. They also have a a very active Discord channel where they post uh, the updates there. And there's a lot of different fans you can interact with. If you are looking for a Twitter account, there is one called, I believe it's Essence 20 HQ. It was put together specifically to let people know what was going on with uh, Renegade Game Studios and the new Essence 20 games. Uh, come on, I got to be able to find it. Anyway, I'm 90% positive it's Essence 20 HQ, and they are very good at uh, retweeting all of the announcements that come from the Renegade account directly. Uh, but also on my uh, podcast network, nodirectionpodcast.com, we have a new podcast called The Upshift which is named after a mechanic within the game. And it is all about Essence 20. It's the Essence 20 news previews and interviews podcast. We've only got a couple of episodes up so far. Uh, we've, we've really been waiting for the G.I. Joe role-playing game to come out to really go full bore into the release schedule. <laughs> what was that? Flexing. Oh, okay. So yeah, so those are your options. And of course, uh, What's on Joe Mind has been very good about keeping people on top of uh, what's going on with the role-playing game. 
So uh, Josiah Alcorn asks, is there a consistent canon or all unconnected episodes? I think that's up to you. Yes. So we we have an established lore or like uh, an assumed lore in the role-playing game uh, and in the core rulebook, but it really doesn't flat out say like, these are the ways you have to run this. It's really just like, here are some broad strokes that you can uh, follow when you're running the game. We've got that active roster I talked about. That's 80 characters from like all different walks of life and all different generations of G.I. Joe. And already some characters that are not on that active roster have showed up in the art. Like Don Moreno is not listed on the active roster, but she has quite a lot of art in the book. Um, Snowjob is not listed on the active roster, but he's on the cover of Operation Cold Iron. And Dialtone and Doc are both listed on it, but also they are the, the, the male versions of the characters are the ones described in the active roster. But we've got artwork of female Dialtone and female Doc in the book. So really... You can do whatever you want as far as an active roster. This was just a jumping off point of like, if you need to populate the pit or have uh, characters that are assigning missions to the Joes, here's some context. Here's what they're doing around the pit and a little bit about their personality. But if you already know G.I. Joe, you don't like, I, I think those pages are really fun, but you don't need them to figure out what your world is like. Uh, likewise, a question I often get is whether it's bullets or lasers. And uh, we don't, we don't define it. So when a character is out of health in our game, you are defeated. And whether that means you are just knocked out and after the scene is done, you can get resurrected no problem, just like with some water on the face. Or whether that means defeated means dead. I'm sorry, you've lost your character. You just got shot by a saw viper in the face and uh, you're done. So uh, again, it is up to you to define the tone of your game. And likewise, the Cobra book goes really deep into Cobra lore. But a lot of it is trying to uh, keep it as open as possible. So Serpentor is in the Cobra book. He's not in the core rule book, but he's in the Cobra book. But it's up to you whether you want him to be like in the comics where he was supposed to be like a Cobra super trooper who then usurped Cobra Commander. Or if the plan was always like, we are done with Cobra Commander, you can stick around, but we're creating our own new leader. So that's up to you. And whether the secret ingredient is Storm Trotter or Sar Sergeant Slaughter, neither one is mentioned specifically in the book. Oh, and also... Uh, Storm Shadow is listed as like a villain in the book, but if if Storm Shadow, like if your version of Storm Shadow is a Joe, like my favorite version of Storm Shadow is version two, and I love his character arc in the original comics. Um, I don't know if in my world when I run the game, I'll have Storm Shadow as a Joe, but in my heart, Storm Shadow is a Joe. Uh, but because the most common version of Storm Shadow is this kind of morally gray, but still Cobra character, that's how we've represented him, but you can take him in whatever direction you want. And finally, Cobra Law is mentioned in the Cobra Sourcebook, but it is mentioned as like, there's rumors that some Cobra believe that the organization dates back to this prehistoric race of insect men. Some people think that's just this weird cult within the organization. So if you want that to be true, there we go. We've given you some ideas of how you can work it into your campaign. And we've even got rules in the Cobra Rulebook that can uh, be used to create Cobra Law citizens. Uh, otherwise, you can just use them for like mutants and, and uh, cybernetic alterations and things like that. Uh, so yeah, so if you want Nemesis Enforcer, we didn't give you Nemesis Enforcer. We gave you the tools to make your own Nemesis Enforcer. So Andrew Goffkin is informing you he's yeah. the one trying to mess with the system by creating a member of the October Guard or a Dreadnought. All right, well, Dreadnought's super easy. In the Cobra book, the one of the Renegade's dedications is basically, actually, I think both of the Renegade dedications in the Cobra book, sorry, uh, I said dedications, the focus options for the Renegade. Uh, all right, let me 
reset for a second. So I talked about how we introduce roles in the core rulebook, and each role has three focus options. Cobra doesn't introduce new roles, but introduces two new focus options per role. And both of the Renegade ones are for if you want to play a Dreadnought type character. You don't flat out have to be a, Cobra, a Dreadnought character, but one of them gets you like a custom power tool as like that's your, your low level uh, uh, benefit. And the other one, uh, oh, wait, I'm, it might be Renegade, it might be a technician. Anyway, one of them gets you uh, a riding rig. So you get a very basic personal motorcycle to drive around. Um, sorry, I, I assure you that we are taking notes on what you're saying about it heretofore unpublished work. Yes. Uh, and we'll be grading you strictly when the time comes. All right. So the main thing is that if you want to play a Dreadnought, you have options straight out of the G.I. Joe Corps rule to play a Dreadnought uh, and an October Guard. Like any rule for making a G.I. Joe can also be applied to an October Guard. Man, did they have adventures in that crack. But uh, Matt Rubin asks, will the Essence 20 games be compatible with some of the tabletop role-playing game sites like Roll20 or Fantasy Battleground? Yes, we have a license with Roll20, or I guess Roll20 has a license with us. So uh, already Power Rangers... Ah! <laughs> already Power Rangers is on Roll20. Uh, it is its own separate deal. So um, you, if you want the integrated rulebook, you have to buy the Roll20 version of the integrated rulebook, but they will all be available specifically on Roll20 custom power tool this episode is really like the quotable ryan costello i am the quotable ryan costello i mean sure and i'm on this episode but uh, so, Fire, yes. firefly asks will there be a special edition of the cobra source book like the main rpg book there will be and there will also be a cobra set of dice so uh, we didn't talk about it but there's a, a set of dice coming for the judge role-playing game it is blue just like the cover of the deluxe with uh silver silver numbering and the GI Joe, or sorry, the the Cobra set of dice is black dice with red numbering, and we haven't announced what the the deluxe cover of the Cobra book will be, but I suspect it will be a black cover with red lettering on it, and I think it will be super cool. Excellent. So uh, we'll we'll put a line on it there. If you have any more questions for Ryan about this episode, uh, go ahead and add them to the comments down below. Uh, we've had him talking now for an hour and 20 minutes after he spent two hours talking about it Saturday and two hours talking about it Friday, and he's got a job. So we're going to actually start to start to bring this into the station here for him so the man can actually spend time with his family for crying out loud. Oh, they're all in bed now. Well, okay, then never mind. I've missed them. We're sorry. We're sorry. I, I blame our 18 live viewers. That's it. hello everyone. But speaking of which, if, if you are watching tonight, by all means, please like the video, subscribe to the channel. We really need you. Um, if you're watching us on Facebook, go ahead, give us a, a, a thumbs up, give us a heart, give us a little huggy guy. Uh, we love little huggy guy, but really the most important thing you can do is subscribe to us over on YouTube. Uh, that's really how we're, we're doing our, our, our own personal metrics so we can figure out exactly who's watching this thing. Um, Ryan, it's been great to have you. It, sure. uh, we don't get you on nearly enough, but uh, before you go, I want to put you through the paces here. What'd you get in this week? All right. Well, it's not this week, but well, it's we since the last time I was on. Actually, no, probably the highlights of the last couple of weeks. Right. Uh, I've, I've recently joined uh, James Dubois' uh, G.I. Joe 1990 to 1998 Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have made several purchases because of that group. So some of the highlights I finally got 
Metalhead version two. Oh, nice. This is a character that I remember seeing on the shelves when I had decided that I'm too old to buy G.I. Joe's off the shelf. And it has eluded me ever since. I, I had fond memories of the Deke cartoon. I know some people don't think it is uh, one of the better ones, but, uh, and Metalhead specifically is not remembered fondly. But that cartoon really it defined what Metalhead is as a personality to me. And this face sculpt is just absolutely incredible and completely in, on point with what the character was like on the Deke cartoon. And I, I like that it's more of a, he's the Cobra version of Metalhead and not the Iron Grenadier version. Because even though I, I like that first figure, this second one was just off the charts. Uh, so, I, oh, yeah. Yeah, what else you get in? Got a couple of the convention Swamp Vipers. So the Mega Viper mold that was uh, recast, which I didn't actually intend to use the Swamp Vipers, but they are in the front seat of my hammerhead right now, the two of them. So I, I guess they're still Swamp Vipers. Maybe they're Mega Vipers. I haven't quite decided. I also got a uh, Black Dragon Trooper, who is definitely not a Black Dragon Trooper for me. For me, he is like a graduated ferret, and he is kind of horning in on uh, Scrap Iron's territory. I haven't got a name for him yet, but I, I've basically given him a custom name and background, or a custom background, and uh, he is set up on my display over there with, like, Scrap Iron's just looking at him like, mm, I don't like this kid. <laughs> and the final thing that I'm going to give a shout out to is I picked up one of these dollar store Nerf guns that turns into a transformer. Oh yeah. Uh, this guy was four bucks and he comes with Nerf darts. He fires them properly, decent transformation. And other than he could use a few more paint apps on his face. Uh, I am actually quite happy with this, uh, this purchase. Yeah. It's pretty cool for four bucks, four bucks. Yeah. And he come, at first I thought he came in four different colors or three different colors, but no, each different color is a completely original mold, all of which are fully functional nerf knockoff guns. You got to knock off two Hasbro products with one toy. There you go. And uh, I probably shouldn't be buying these things, or at least if I buy them, I shouldn't be publicly declaring it, but come on. Eh. Eh. I'd be all about it, man. I'd be, mm -hmm. I'd be going back for the other two. Four bucks a piece. I know. And they and shoot that's Canadian. They shoot Nerf darts. They do. Or Nerf-ish darts. Uh, and the last thing I got in, I got in a bag of like 500 O-rings. All right. I was, because I was, I was my O-rings are getting old. I, I was afraid you were holding up a, ba a Ziploc bag with stuff gathered in the bottom there. I thought we were really getting into illegal stuff. Mm, you want to know what I picked up, Mike? I, I thought you were going to be getting into, like, like Roadblock, you're going to go straight past the Cobras and into the pot. <laughs> Uh, it's the quotable Ryan Costello. The quotable. So, Ryan, uh, who who we shouting out to tonight? Oh, well, I'm going to shout out to that uh, 90s G.I. Joe group. It recently changed. It was originally 1990 to 1994. Yes. And it was really just celebrating, you know, the neon era, the subgroup era of G.I. Joe. Uh, but it, some people recently petitioned that those collectors uh, era, uh, the, the collector's edition re-releases don't really get a lot of love and they don't really have their own home. So, uh, James expanded it to include in a couple of other eras and they've been uh, yeah it's, it's just been a fun group that revisits things that don't usually get the kind of attention but I still have fond memories for like like I said I don't have memories of my earliest memories of G.I. Joe but my most vivid ones are the ones towards the end of the line so even though those 90s characters I liked them because I had vague memories of them from when I was watching Sunbow as a kid it's like a, a second layer of nostalgia is applied to those ones because it's like, 
oh, these are the ones that don't really get get the love they deserve. Look at the face on this metalhead. How can you tell me that that is not an awesome action figure? <laughs> that that ninety seven and ninety eight line, man. I remember I was in college for those, and yeah. it, it was they were the ultimate shake out the couch, you know, eat ramen for a couple of weeks. Yeah, it was it was it was rough stuff, but I was I was all over grabbing those things. Yeah, I haven't completed either of those years, but uh, I actually I, I don't know if I own any of them from the '98 year because we never got them here. We got or if we did, I missed them. But we got the '97. Uh, like it, it was really like Toys R Us went all in on this '97 line. It was like the whole row was once again dedicated to GI Joe, which it had not been for a long time. Uh, and I did not get them at the time, and I've had to pick them up for much more expensive later on down the line. Um, I may know a guy. Uh, right. 98 figures. I may oh, know a guy. There's a couple of those 98 figures that I really would like to own, so we, that's good to know. We, can, we will talk after the show. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm never going to talk to you again. <laughs> oh, well, all right. Yeah, we're done here. That's a, We did have some adventures in the crack. But anyways... <laughs> Uh, one more shout out. So in that 90 to 98 Facebook group, uh, JD Onasi recently posted a Dio story of the origin of GI Joe. Uh, sorry, not origin of GI Joe, origin of Robo Joe. Oh, okay. Now, as you, I'm sure know, uh, Robo Joe's real name or his file name is Greg Scott, which is also the file name of Lifeline 2, the one that came out in the 2000s collector edition. Yes. And they bear enough of a resemblance that both JD and I have created headcanon where they are the same character and that Lifeline is the before and Robo Joe is the after. And so using uh, Marauder Joe parts, he has recreated the file card that talks about the Destro raid that, that injured Robo Joe and forced him to take on these cybernetic parts um, with, where the before is played by his custom of Lifeline version, or not version two, but Lifeline two, the other Lifeline, the not Edward Steen, uh, Edwin Steen Lifeline. Uh, and I appreciate it. I just appreciate for the deep cut between two different eras of G.I. Joe that create one cohesive story that he and I both happen to agree with. <laughs> it, it's fun to take those forgotten corners of the lore and and uh, weave them into something new. Yeah, well, I was mentioning on the Upshift the other day that both, like like I mentioned earlier, both the cartoon and the comic gave Serpentor a secret ingredient and never did anything with it. I don't think Storm Shadow and Serpentor share a panel after Serpentor, after the the Serpentor creation process uh, resurrects Storm Shadow, and I know that Storm, that Sergeant Slaughter and Star Serpentor are both in the same scene multiple times in the cartoon afterwards. But Sergeant Slaughter never brings up the fact that his DNA is part of what made Serpentor come to life. It was just like a fact that was never acknowledged again. I, I thought that it was because the Sergeant, like they they stopped. The process before like sergeant slaughter or the joes were able to stop the process before sarge's dna was added were they so um i don't was, say, i don't i believe it was genghis khan was the one that got corrupted by cobra commander and created the red lizard guy that was the like the first result of the experiment and they had to trap him and we never really find out what happens to him after that and then they chain up sergeant slaughter and like the second attempt is a success so it's either it was a success despite not having the corrupted ingredient or Sergeant Slaughter, or it was a success because of Sergeant Slaughter. Be because it, it was a success physically, but I think the Serpentor's impetuousness 
and and his inability to really think his plans through and is is just his is his tendency to fly off the hinges was because Sarge's you know cool under fire attitude was not part of his mm. DNA like something happened there to screw that up all right I might have to watch some episodes of Arise Spent or Arise just to see what I'm remembering because I don't actually like Arise Spent or Arise. Uh, it, it's the weakest of the miniseries for me too. I I agree. Yeah, it, it's the number of times that Mindbender explains that plot, right? It, it gets tiring. Like probably if you're watching it one day at a time over a week, you don't notice. But when you watch yeah. it in one sitting, boy, yeah. you get tired of him explaining that he's combing the history of or the tomes of history's greatest leaders for I, their DNA. Yeah, I I love. Uh, the Mindbender character. I love Brian Cummings as his voice, and I, yeah. I'm tired of hearing of him at that point. <laughs> but so uh, that that's it for tonight. That's what we got. Uh, and like we said before, if you have any more questions, uh, be sure to follow uh, Ryan and Renegade Game Studios on social media, and hopefully those questions will get answered. If if we can, Ryan, please uh, pay attention to to the the questions that happen on this episode. Um, Ritz Murphy agrees with me there. Never made it. Um, okay. Uh, also head back into our archive, watch episode 183, which is actually the best performing, uh, team stream in our, in our catalog since we've moved to YouTube. I can't explain it. I, I can't either, but, but you know, there it is. And it's not people just tuning in and starting at the beginning The the metrics say that they're all popping in, in the second half when you're describing gameplay. Nice. So, so it's it's legit. It's not robots, but it's it's twenty more people every week since we did it, uh, and so it is it is easily our most successful team stream. So go ahead, add yourself to those numbers, uh, and and we will certainly do our best to to get any messages you got along. Uh, this won't be the last that you hear hear from <laughs> the DI Joe tabletop role playing game on this channel for certain. Um, and uh, that's it. You guys have a great night. Enjoy the rest. What's left of your weekend. Have a great week. We will be back on Friday with another episode of the team stream. We will have the honcho Mark Weber. We will have the return of Joe Colton. Uh, it'll be really nice if, if for Joe Colton's return gift, we push the total tally on our subscriber count over a thousand. That would be fantastic. So please get on out, spread the word. Remember it's, it's Canon. Now, if you know somebody who's not subscribed to this channel, you're allowed to punch him in the arm. Hey. Right. I know a lot of people not subscribed to this channel. It, it crack them knuckles, Ryan Costello. Crack them. Most knuckles. people I know are not subscribed to this channel, Mike. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, warm up, man. You got a you got a Russell Crowe style week coming ahead of you this week. Time to start swinging. Right. Yeah. Limber up, man. So, <laughs> on behalf of my special guest, uh, Ryan Costello. And on behalf of my co-hosts, who are all bums and not here this evening, I'm Mike Irizarry. Uh, have a great rest of the evening. Uh, go forth and plug the damn show. Uh, we'll catch you on Friday. Have a great night. Say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>